0: Well what is the real message of Christmas? What is this real meaning? For many people Christmas is a time for warm, homely, sentimental feelings and it's very good at arousing those kinds of feelings in us. It's a time to wrap up warm, put your feet up, have a cup of good cheer and think nice thoughts. It has become quite a sentimental time hasn't it? For many people actually now it has little connection to Jesus Christ. There are even moves within our culture more broadly to take Christ out of Christmas altogether. So you uh, have people saying happy holidays rather than happy Christmas. Well, what is Christmas really all about? We could easily miss the point. We could easily actually sleepwalk through this season. We could easily sleep through Christmas and miss what it's really all about. And the reason why this is important is that the Bible says Christmas changed the world. Christmas changed the world and it can change our world too and change our lives forever if we understand its message. Now the message of Christmas, I've got two points today. The message of Christmas is a message of terror and joy. Terror and joy. I was driving here this morning in a marvellous Moss Side December morning and it was really interesting weather conditions because where I was driving it was bright sunlight Bright sunshine, almost squinting kind of sunshine. And just ahead of me, like half a mile away, was really grey, overcast, heavy sky over the Beetham Tower. I could see it in the distance. It was as if I was driving from one set of weather conditions into another. And the thing about Christmas is you can only really see the brightness and the beauty and the sunshine of joy if you understand the terror and the, d- the gloom and the darkness. So I'm going to start with that, terror. Now, why do I say Terror. Have a look inside this sheet at that uh, reading that Reva just read for us. What happens when these shepherds, uh, when God shows up, when God's glory shows up? There's these shepherds. They're living out in the fields. They, they were usually young men, very uh, rough, uneducated fellows, living out, often quite young. And they'd live where the sheep were, out of society, out on the fringes, minding their own business, washing their socks by night, as the old song says. And suddenly, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. An angel appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord, it says here, shone round them. The glory of the Lord. Now, God's glory is the brightness and weightiness of his presence. God's weighty, burning, bright presence. Now, what is these shepherds' reaction Have a look at what it says. They were terrified. They were absolutely terrified. Verse 9 actually uses in the Greek language, the original language, a very intense phrase. It literally says, they feared a great fear. They feared a great fear. It's like an intense kind of fear. In fact, it even uses, you kids are going to love this, the Greek word mega. They feared a mega fear. They're absolutely scared out of their wits. Now, actually, this is just like some of the other famous Christmas passages that we read at this time of year. When God breaks into our world, when he bursts in, people don't feel all warm and cozy and sentimental. God isn't like the Andrex puppy. You know, you see God bounding in, oh, he's great, he's here. No, far from it. When an angel appeared to an unmarried teenager called Mary he told her that she would fall pregnant without a man being involved and without being married. Now in conservative Jewish culture of the first century a teenage pregnancy out of wedlock meant social disgrace. This is the end of Mary's life as she knows it, she thinks. There's nothing sentimental about that. It's deeply disturbing. How did she feel about that news? What about the magi, the wise men? They scanned the night sky for signs and omens. They could read the stars. They saw some astral movements so significant that they actually packed their bags and went on a long journey. They came from the Far East, probably travelled for months to see whose birth it announced. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, everyone was alarmed. A great disturbance. The paranoid king, Herod, viewed this baby's birth as a threat to his power. So he sent men to kill all the children born in Bethlehem and the surrounding area who are under the age of two. That's what happens when God steps into our world. That's how the world's powers respond to its rightful king. So when God steps in, people don't feel all warm and cosy and sentimental. There is, their lives get rocked. There's great upheaval, fear and alarm and consternation. And then we have these shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night. They're probably quite happy in the dark just getting on with life, and suddenly this angel appears, and it changes their lives forever. Now, we're tempted to think of angels as a rather quaint piece of fiction. I went to my five-year-old son's nativity play at school this week, and they had some children predictably dressed up as angels, and they described the angel, and it sounded like a big bird. It sounds like make-believe in the realms of elves talking reindeer. But the word angel actually also means messenger. An angel is a messenger. And the Bible cons- consistently views angels as spiritual beings who, are, who bring a message from God. They speak with God's authority because they're ambassadors for him. And their, their very appearance is awe-inspiring. So the shepherds are terrified. And you know, we're just like them. We're just like them. We're quite happy in our own way, just getting on with life without too much interference from God. Thank you very much. And when God shows up, we fear. I can think of five common fears that God's presence brings to light. When God's truth, when his word shines into your life, we get scared. And we, we often get scared in various ways. One way is the fear of shame. Shame. What if people knew what I was really like? What if people knew the worst thing that you had said to your spouse this year? What if people, if if we shone up on this screen all the websites that you've visited this year? What if they knew what you were like in secret? We're afraid. We'd be afraid of shame. We're also afraid of failure. Many of us are driven, so driven by this great fear that that we're really no good. We're just not underneath it all, we're just no good. Some people struggle with what's been called imposter syndrome. It's the fear that you're going to be found out. You feel like a fraud. You experience intense feelings of unworthiness. You feel you fear failure. That you'll be exposed and it will confirm all your worst suspicions about yourself. We fear rejection. We fear that if people knew what I was really like, that they would despise me, they would reject me. So I have to keep putting on a show and working really, really hard for their approval. We all know who the inner circle is, don't we? In any social sphere, we know who the inner circle is, the in crowd, and we'd love to have their approval. We desperately want to be accepted by the people who count. We have a fear of vulnerability. Our lives really aren't under our control but we like to think that they are. We all have different crutches and props that we use to kind of give ourselves a feeling of control. Maybe you have got enough money to feel safe. Lucky you. But how secure is that money? Maybe you have good looks. Lucky you. How long will they last? Maybe you're strong and fit Lucky you. But what about when sickness or old age come? We're not really in control. We're vulnerable, all of us. And then we have fear of death. The last enemy. Whatever anyone says, death is not natural. And it's not welcome for most people. When it comes down to it, most of us are really afraid of dying. It's healthy and natural for us to feel like that to fear death, fear of shame, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of vulnerability, fear of death. And when God shows up in our lives, we naturally fear. Blaise Pascal was a brilliant mathematician and philosopher, French Ertmann. I think he lived in the 17th century. He was an atheist, but in adult life, he converted to Christianity. He wrote some of the most profound thoughts about Christianity that have ever been written. He wrote these words, men and women despise religion. They despise religion. They hate it and are afraid it may be true. What about becoming a Christian? I mean, a real, proper, born again one. Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever feared what it might bring? If Jesus Christ really took hold of the steering wheel in your life, what would happen? Are you afraid? Rosaria Champagne-Butterfield, wonderful name, was a professor of English studies at a major American university. Jesus Christ broke into her life. She did not invite him. He came after her. And she wrote a book called The Secret Confessions of an Unlikely Convert. Although grateful, she says, I did not perceive conversion to be a blessing, it was a train wreck. When I became a Christian, I had to change everything. My life, my friends, my writing, my teaching, my advising, my clothes, my speech, my thoughts. I was tenured to a field that I could no longer work in. I was the faculty advisor to all the gay and lesbian and feminist groups on campus. I was writing a book that I no longer believed in. Conversion put me in a complicated and comprehensive chaos, she says. I sometimes wonder, when I hear Christians praying for the salvation of the lost, if they realise that this comprehensive chaos is the desired end of such prayers. Often people ask me to describe the lessons that I learned from this experience. I can't. It was too traumatic. Sometimes in crisis we don't really learn lessons. Sometimes the result is simpler and more profound. Sometimes our character is simply transformed. Are you afraid what Jesus might do if you really let him in? Actually, we're all like the shepherds. We're quite comfortable living in the dark, where we can cover ourselves up. And when the glory of God shows up, when his truth and his light shines on us, we fear. The light of God's truth exposes who we really are. We don't like it, but we can't escape it. And maybe you're in that position here today. Maybe this is the first time you've been in this church or the hundredth time. Maybe you're just visiting. If so, I'm glad you're here because the angel says some of the most beautiful words that have ever been spoken and he may be speaking them directly to you. This is what he said. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, dear friends. Do not be afraid. Well, why? You know, those of you who have have children or had children... You know that time when the child comes in the middle of the night, scared, crying, had a dream, coming to the bedroom in the dark, and you say, don't be afraid. You have to give a reason why. Don't be afraid because we're here. I'm here. It's okay. Put the light on. Comfort them. What is the basis of the angel's comfort here in our passage? Read what it says with me. Verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news gospel. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, what is the good news? Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What he's saying is this, Christmas is the end of fear. Christmas is the end of fear if we really understand it. How does it work? Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. So here's the answer to all our fears, and it has two parts. It's that Jesus Christ, that baby, is the saviour and the Lord. A saviour is a word meaning a great rescuer, a hero who would rescue people. Sometimes it was used of doctors who saved a life or a general who won a great military victory. Or a hero who rescued somebody from danger. Jesus saved and rescued people all through his ministry, all through his life. All the time he was saving people from sickness, saving people from oppression, saving people from themselves. But he constantly said that his greatest work of saving was to be his death. The way he died. His death on the cross, Jesus Christ said, was a death died for sinners. For people like you and me. People who were afraid so that he would take away our fear and our punishment and the guilt that's due to our sins. He's the saviour. And secondly, it says he's the Lord. That means he's the king, the ruler. He comes to bring our disordered lives under new management. He comes to restore his rightful claim on our loyalty and our obedience and on our love. He's the saviour and he's the lord. Now what this means is that when a person really and truly asks Jesus to forgive them and really and truly leans their life on him and trusts him for to be who he says he is the savior and the lord and they submit to him. What it means is that that person begins to change. They begin to change. They start to become the best version of themselves. Now if you know somebody who's become a Christian, you may have seen this over time. Not overnight, but over time, they change. They're willing to change, to say sorry and change. The Bible calls it repentance. And they change and grow. Over time, you will have seen it in them. They become a new kind of person. They're still themselves. It's not that they've somehow been brainwashed or less of themselves. They're actually becoming the best version of themselves. They're becoming the person they were meant to be. Because that's what getting in touch with Jesus Christ does in your life i said that christmas is the end of fear how does it work think about our fear of shame and failure and rejection our fear of being vulnerable what christmas says is that the most important person in the universe knows you loves you came down for you and accepts you he knows everything about you without conditions he sets his love upon you He came for you. He bore your sin. He bore your shame. He took it all away. And what about our fear of death? On the third day, Jesus Christ, after he'd been crucified, rose from the dead, as he said he would. Literally and physically, he was resurrected. And he said he was the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. One day, if we trust in him truly, we too can live a new life in a resurrection body. It's the end of the fear of death. Terror and joy. So friends, our big Christmas message is this. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Have a great Christmas.